and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reed, and I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by the lovely Daniel Bailey. Daniel is currently in The Wizard of Oz at Pitlockery Festival Theatre with Scarlett. Woohoo! You're playing the Scarecrow? Yeah. Yeah. And he's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to see it later, I can't wait. Uh, Daniel is an actor. He has been in Priscilla, Hair, Lion King, Motown, South Pacific, to name but a few. He is also a freelance journalist, playwright and a filmmaker. And we'll chat about this a lot later. So, shall we play a wee game? Yes. Do you want to do the game, Scarlett? Yeah, go on. You ready, Dan? Yeah. It's a word association game, Dan. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So you just say the first thing that comes into your mind. All right, right. all right. Jammy Dodgers. Tea. A good clean armpit. Deodorant. <laughs> Music. Love. Lion King. Dance. <laughs> Give us your best roar. <laughs> no! <laughs> I wasn't a lion. I was a hyena. Oh, give us your best hyena sound. Ah! I've been saying I love that. I'm going to hate that. Smiling. Happiness. Gin. Tonic. Oh, yeah. I love it. Okay, so, Dan, you attended the Erdang Academy at the tender age of 16. Yes, I did. So, um, I actually auditioned for Erdang when I was 15, and then I, 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 I literally didn't know anything about musical theatre at all. I didn't know it was a thing. And it was literally my dance teacher was like, oh, you should audition because I went there and I think it'd be good for you. And even when I got in, I still didn't want to go. I wanted to go and be a forensic scientist or just do something else. Um, but the opportunity came and my mum was like, you're doing it. Um, yeah, so... I think the, 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 the hardest part of, of being so young, and I know a lot of people who, who, have, who have gone through this as well and have had, had, have had a similar experience, is that you, you, you're, you've gone from secondary school where everyone's like your age and then you're in a, in a class where there's people almost 10 years older than you. So you have to grow up quite quickly. But in doing that... Th- th- you you have to grow up quite quickly and your voice is lost because you spend so much time trying to grow up that you lose your point of view and your point and you become malleable which is what has been the the struggle for me is that i was very malleable so i didn't have to make from the moment that i stepped into college I didn't have to make any decisions for myself because the teachers knew I couldn't and I didn't know what I wanted so then that reflect that then reflected when I graduated and I I did my my previous agent she my first agent she got me into a lot of doors and it was really great but then it became it got to a point where I was being spread too thinly and I couldn't find who I was I and I didn't I didn't know who I was I didn't know what kind of artist I wanted to be I didn't even know I just knew that I wanted to work and I think that's something that um especially as performers the the stress on the next job obviously you have to think about getting a next job because you've got to pay bills you've got responsibilities um but I think we lose 
as as perfor- as working performers we lose the the passion that we had and the we lose the reasoning as to why why we started doing it in the first place and that really can mess with your mental health and mine as well because you then think that the only reason why you're performing is for other people when i think we're uh, we're a lot more than that yeah so how did you go about finding yourself as an artist and finding yourself how cuz you you went into work quite quickly after graduation as yeah. well um so you know kind of being shoved into the spotlight as it were and into success uh, for me being out of work has made me you know really connect with myself realize what who i am what i want to do what work i want to do how did you find that going straight into work through drama school and not not feeling like you had a voice or not feeling like you knew who you were as an artist or a person? Um, so I was in Lion King being a bush, as you do. <laughs> and I I start I at first I was like, yes, this is everything that I've dreamed of. And it was, it completely was. Or maybe it was I I, th- I thought that's what I'd I'd always dreamed of. And at first it was great, I was earning money, I was able to do what I wanted, I moved out, it was great. But then I started to notice that my I was losing my days. And the days where when I wasn't working, I'd be doing things that I like to do and that I can express myself with. But because of the the long periods of time that you spend in a theater you lose that so i started writing i started it started off as um it started off as just simple journalism i made a blog which is now really big it's called the palace of the dogs whoop whoop um and then that 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 then manifested into filmmaking and playwriting and it it was through that and through actually just going what do i want to say pick that up who who am i and what 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 tools do i have i'm an artist and i have an eye how do i merge those two together because i'm not this is what i'm doing is not fulfilling that part of me it was fulfilling other bits but it wasn't fulfilling that part so just taking ownership of my voice and knowing exactly what i want to say it it was hard because you want as as artists you want people to listen to you mm-hmm. and people don't want to listen to you and i say that like you could, i can i could spend what i could spend a whole 6 weeks on a film that i've made editing filming doing all of that mm-hmm. and not a lot of people will engage with it and that that then messes with your head because you you're in an industry where you, you feel like you're you're fighting for a job like you're not good enough for the job and then when you do something that is of your own people still don't want to engage with it um but it's something that you have to uh, well that I had to get over really quickly because I could see the good that it was manifesting yeah. in me and the effect it was having on my performance in theatre, yeah, working, yeah. Do you think, um, it's interesting that you started 
to write when you were in uh, the West End. Mm. Do you think that because you were in a show that was so um, regimented and it's the same, any production that it is, it's the same. Yeah. I think sometimes as artists, like what we like to do is create, but sometimes you maybe don't feel like you're creating if you have to do the exact same thing yeah. every night. So do you think that that's maybe why mm. you looked for another outlet? Um, I think that I think that's 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 a valid point. Um, but also, I think that especially in commercial theatre, it's not it's not doing it doesn't do its its purpose. As in, I say that theatre uh, art is supposed to affect the way the world is moving. It's supposed to be the precursor. It's supposed to set. And I feel like in especially in commercial theatre, it's almost doing the opposite. But we as as artists, we because we, all we want to do is get that job, get that job. We're not even seeing the fact that this has no relevance to what is happening in society and how that affects me and the people in my community. So I feel like it was a, more of a it was more of a realization yes there are things in the show and in all shows that i've done that have that i've resonated with and i can see that it resonates with people in the audience but specific things especially as a as a black man who grew up in hackney who didn't know anything about um theater musical theater i didn't know um I recognize that as artists we have a um not a responsibility we have a um a privilege we have a privilege that we forget that civilians don't have we have a we have an outlet to express ourselves in the most elaborate ways and there's people who just don't have that like something that really um has been pressing on my mind is the fact that there's there's young guys that I grew up with in in Hackney and the only difference between me and them is the fact that I am able to express myself through art and they don't have that and that is that's that's really it's 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 a heavy burden to have but I feel like we that commercial musical theatre isn't recognising that, and yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think needs to change then? If you could be the voice of power, what would you change? I would change who's making theatre. I would look at the producers who are making theatre. I would look at the the directors, and ma- I would I would completely diversify. And I don't, I mean, just shake it all up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are, I want to say, locked inside a barrier. And for the most part, we're happy with it. But then we get to an age where we're like, okay, I want to I wanna grow. I have something to say. And that barrier is still there. Um, so I just feel like we just need to, it needs to change from the top in order to affect the bottom. Bringing it back to mental health, how do you feel that this system, which you wanna you wanna shake up, um, has affected you, and has that affected your mental health at all? Yeah. So, um, that especially within commercial musical theatre, there is a 
there's a singular narrative for for black artists in particular and that I, I i what i mean by that is if i was to walk into an audition room and there's about 20 other black boys in there we could we will all be up for the for the same part whereas with our with our white counterparts you could walk into a room and you not even know whether that person's up for the same part as you and the the effect that that makes especially within a within the black community black theater community is this crabs in a barrel mentality and we're all fighting for that one spot that more often than not especially in the UK does not represent who who we are as artists who we are generally so then that means that we're fighting in a way that is that is expected of us rather than of a way that is that is um that is unique to unique to us and i so i ended up in in a show which i don't really feel like was the best representation of me as an artist however it was all that was available and um <clears throat> not all the time but while bef- that's all i knew of and w- what happened was was that i was spending so much of my time trying to be th- a black ideal of what a what what a producer deems as a black person in theater that i was spending myself and spending myself as in my energies were being spent my my talents were being stretched to a point where i felt like there was no consideration for me as a performer because it's like just just do it um so i i ended up suffering with anxiety quite severely like i it was difficult in in the sense that i would stay in bed all day waiting to find out what i'd be doing in the evening and then this surge of energy would come to me in the in the evening and i'd spend all of my energy and then my days would just be i couldn't get out of bed um that 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 whole crabs in a barrel thing really messes with with people's identity i know people it's some some mixed race people who don't necessarily look black but they are put in with black people they're then told that they're not black enough or or going into an audition and and being oh can you sass it up like what does that mean what does that mean what what do you think of me am i just a black identity or am i a human being and that is something that it's like putting on it's like putting on it on 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 like a new skin when you walk into an audition and i just find that it's difficult to to permeate this this system that only sees you as what they want and not 
who you actually are and the stories that you can tell. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. So how did you deal with your anxiety with these situations then? Um, I had to... It, it got to a point where I had to... I had to take ownership of myself and this goes back to the beginning where I where I was talking about people just leading me and I just go I had to take the reins and go Daniel this is not this is not who you are or what you want to be as a performer and that in itself took a lot because I was in I was practically in the beginning of the contract and I had another what 12 months left so I had to then take take the reins and then make sure that I was being proactive with myself and that meant I keep a diary because I often off like I was saying in the beginning I felt like people weren't listening to me and so then I just didn't speak and the only way that I could get out how I was feeling even if it was just rubbish that would that would ride my mind into anxiety I just had to write write it and just be able to detox it out get it out of me um so um right keeping a diary really helped me and I still write in it to this day um also just diving more into my writing and me as a filmmaker and making the kind of things that I want to see. I think something something that that especially with um performers when they're unhappy with performing, they think because they're unhappy that's it we've got to stop, just stop. But I think as performers it's important to make things that you want to see. And even if you don't feel like you have the tools to do that, be a part of something that you want to see help in some kind of way um but anxiety it, it persisted well after i finished that job and i i i think and it's and it still affects me now not as much but i can i can um i can control it more but i it was just more about me taking taking ownership of myself and not just letting people just rag me around yeah yeah i think i know so many people like even at um for me at drama school just being like a nodding chicken yeah. almost and be like yeah yeah okay okay or, or this is fine or this is fine or if there's an issue just mm. just shutting up about mm. it and i think yeah have a voice it's so important yeah. and i think it's so easy to forget that you have the right to mm. to voice to voice something that i always that i would like to say is that and this is something that I look at within job prospects now, is what can I do to help make this show better? Do I want to be a part of this show because I feel like I can give to this show rather than I need this job? Because then it then 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 it flips it on its head and it takes the the um the focus off of you being feeling like you're not good enough and actually is this show mm -hmm. what i want to do is it good enough 
for me. And I know that is something that for people who have just graduated or who struggle to work, obviously that's a, it's a process, Mm -hmm. but even if it is something that, that you're, that you're going for and you do, you do want to have this job, flip it on its head and go, what, what, what can I give to this show? to make that this better what can they do for what can they do for me is this part of me how can i make this a part of my thinking mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely so obviously um there's shows that have been about such as bend it like beckham which um show cultures that aren't white basically mm. um and educate about that um how important do you think it is to create theater that shows different cultures but for you as a black performer to not pigeonhole you into just being in that kind of theater mm. that represents your culture and being in uh in a wide spectrum of mm. theater um so in regards to um theater that represents communities especially marginalized communities is significantly important because they need to see themselves represented in media and if they don't see themselves represented in media then they don't go to theater and then this is how this is how society is then able to there's there's divides in society within communities and then there's no cross and if 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 somebody in that community doesn't see themselves they start to believe that it's not for them and then what and then they they're locked in they're locked inside and they can't they don't know how to express themselves and don't and also don't have the opportunity to try art to try different things and also it comes from, and you have to look at the um, the history of migration in Britain and whereby British, after World War II, they needed, they needed people to work because everyone had died. So they went off to, they invited their British colonies to come into Britain to work. That's what they're here to do. So our our grandparents and our and our parents, they're they're so focused because that's what they're here to do, is to work. So if they don't if they don't see themselves in theatre, that means it's not lucrative. That means my child is not doing that. But then what happens is is that this child who doesn't have have the the stress of trying to fit into a into British society and and give to society because their parents and their grandparents have already done that. There, what what do you do? Because that's been taken care of. But then there's other things that need to be taken care of too. But if if you if you don't give me the tools, then I don't. Then what can I do? Um, I guess that that yeah. So I feel like that it's imperative, especially for marginalized communities. Um, however what sometimes happens is is that then if we're going to tell a story about an indian community that's all we're going to tell when there's a whole diversity of people i'm i'm a black 
person, but that isn't all that I am. So when you get when you get a an all Indian cast of 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 a show that represents a community, that's great. But then what about the what about the the intricacies in that? If you're not if you're not willing to really delve into the intricacies of people, then it just becomes I don't know, it's pointless. Mm-hmm. Um and then you also have to look at who's writing it and where that where it's coming from. Because I know for especially in in the black theatre community, musical theatre community, most black shows aren't about black British people. So my experience of being a black British person is going to be completely different to a black American person. But I have no opportunity to to speak about that because it's not being made. So then what does that do for the whole of the of the black British community when their whole life is them looking up to black Americans? And it's weird. It's it's really weird to me because the whole structure of society in America is built off British society. So that is that's something that's really um really interesting to me because it's almost like then it makes me angry because then it's like you're saying that you're not admitting that colo- that the the trauma of colonization is in the blood of Britain it's completely in there and it's the reason why you see you you you're in London and you see you see people from marginalized communities just angry because they they know that something's happened that that something's happened to them but they don't know what and i feel like especially cuz the media is is an an art is so like deeply ingrained in in theater it's kind of it's kind of a shame it's 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 becoming a waste of time and it really upsets me when i see when i meet people and they're like oh i don't like musical theater ask yourself why don't they like it cuz they can't see themselves there mm-hmm. yeah so um just going back to when you graduated from Erdang, um I can't even imagine graduating at that age because I didn't start drama school until <laughs> I was 20. Um do you think that you would have changed how you approached things and um the whole people listening to you situation had you trained when you were older or do you think that that was just the situation that you found yourself in and whenever you had found yourself in it you would have had the same reaction to it? I think most definitely if I had trained older I would have had a a stronger voice because I love performing but I didn't know what I was doing so I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing and my family are great and they're very very encouraging and very yeah completely encouraging and have been 
with me through the journey. Um, but, but yeah, I just would have, I, I think I would have been, a, I think I would have been a different person, but I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have changed it because I've experienced so much and all of those, all of those things have got me to where I am now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I definitely like even being in class with, with people who were like 10 years older than me <laughs> and them speaking about things and it just going straight over my head yeah. because I'm just like, got to listen to the teacher. <laughs> but yeah, I think it would have been different. Yeah. Mm. We all know that mental health within males isn't spoken about as much and we know that suicide is the highest killer of males under 45 I think it is and which is a terrifying statistic and I think there's been massive leaps and bounds over the last couple of years to get men to talk more. How is that within the black community? Is mental health within the black community and within the black male community something that's even spoken about? Um, I, I forget what the statistics are but um, black people are more susceptible to getting, to having mental health issues than any other race. And in saying that, it's not really spoken about in the community. So then what, what happens is a lot of these these people who are suffering end up in on the street and estranged from their families and instead of the, them being getting help they end up being put in jail so then the issue is is that because nobody's talking about it and you're being estranged by your family who are telling you to just f fix up you then going out on the street and then because of the, the, the stereotype of a, of a black male or a black female, you're, instead of, yeah, you're just put in jail. How do you think we can change this in this day and age? Because I feel like it is a time for change. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, yeah, education is, is really, really key. And people need to just speak out more. Um, I think as I'm, maybe I'm just speaking about this from my own family, but I think that black families are quite um, private about things, but to the point where you're not actually dealing with it, you're just you're just not seeing it. Um, which is which is the danger, um, and also understanding. I just think that there's. I think I just think that there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on, especially for the black community, because we're, we're so we're so spread out across the the globe, and we're constantly fighting for a freedom that we already have that we forget to pick each other up and to educate each other mm -hmm. and to rebuild what was dismantled 
that that is the root of all of it for 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 the black community the root of it is is that we're just not together there's no nation anymore and um and yeah so yeah is there anything um about your community that you think people should know that um for people who aren't part of it mm. um i think that especially for british people there's an accountability and i don't mean for i don't mean that that the black community should be pandered to at all but there's an accountability and this goes for most people of and yeah all people of color and also working class people in britain is that there's a structure that of there's a structure in our society that keeps working class and people of color down and until we can recognize that there's a structure then there's not really a point there's there's no point in you can't understand if you don't recognize that and also it's the same within within our within black communities within indian asian communities until you recognize that there's a structure there there's nothing you can do because then you don't even know that you need to be fixed i just think there's a, there's just an accountability thing and until us as a nation understands understands that our our structure of society is severely marred then what can we do i mean look at brexit and what does the, what does the, what what does that mean for me who's always who's lived here my whole life and i'm british but because i don't seemingly look british you can walk down the street and and say go home where am i going or it's just it's especially especially for britain because britain is the was the spearhead of colon western colonization but we've gotten to a point where we're like okay let's just forget about that but the, those that still that structure's still there and until we can until we can re- until we realize that and and open you, your eyes to it then you're not going to understand why there needs to be a i don't know a a uh an asian play person playing i don't know mary poppins or you're not going to understand why uh i don't know why the the girl from mamma mia was the was the lead sophie is being played by an an a black person because subliminally all you can see is that the structure has put you here and everyone else here so yeah it's just it's just but it, we education yeah and truthful education so it's about having conversations basically mm. and being keeping your eyes open to where you are and what yeah. and what levels of privilege you have mm. and where you are yeah. yeah just by having that conversation then i'm like oh well you know yeah. so we can we can make this better yeah. 
But it's when people either are ignorant to it or they just don't want to know. That's where the problem is. That's where the problem is. Or And it's even worse if then you do know and you don't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Daniel Bailey, what, where are you, how is your mental health at the moment? I'm very anxious. A lot of cha- a lot of things have changed for me this year, and being here in Pitlockery has gave me a lot of time to have space, mm. and yeah, and just to just to re relearn is not is not what I mean. What I mean is is uh, for a very long time I've just been doing, and I need to now start. Go- start repairing that and that has been my time here but now it's just taking it back mm-hmm. home <laughs> and I'm like oh, okay <laughs> I've got to take the same mentality that I've been disciplining myself with and by disciplining I think sometimes we we think discipline means lacking of um, but I think there's freedom in discipline and I'm I'm just a bit anxious about taking that back and all the things that come with that. But I'm just sticking with the discipline. I'm writing every day and, yeah, just trying to not engage with things that are going to take me off course. And, yeah. Mm. I think think the fresh air, certainly me being up here for half an hour... And the, not only the mental space, but also the physical space of being up here is maybe a really great place to to get yourself into a new headspace yeah. for, for getting back to um, the big bag concrete jungle for 2019. I was just even thinking that this morning when I was walking through here and I was like, I've not looked at like nature for so long. And I know that sounds really probably wanky to say, but... There's just something about being... I completely get why people pack up and go to the countryside yeah. now because there's something about the energy of just having a nice quiet space and being able to think without Nino, Nino, Nino going by. Um, Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Yes. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because... Why? I wouldn't because... Because I'm very conditioned and I'm working things out. I'm I, I I'm working things out. But also I know that there's a stigma attached. And we're gonna break the st- stigma. We're gonna break yeah, it. We, yeah, we've got to break down the stigma completely. Completely break down the stigma. But I th- I think that I need to to have conversations like that around people that I trust and people and I I I would write it down I'd I'd write it down and and get it out of me um but there's a lot of people that are untrustworthy people and I and I put that down to a, a lot of a lot of things not just um trustworthy with information yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very true. Right. 
So just before we finish, I want to hear all about your films, your writing, everything. I want to hear it. Um, so I run a online magazine called The Palace of the Dogs, which um, advocates art to marginalised communities, like I was talking about. And um, I have a team of about 10 people who are all creatives, whether that be photography, makeup, fashion, all those things. And it, we just wanted to come together to be able to create and be able to co collaborate with people as well as um, push our... Um, what we're about um but yeah it's it's been four years now and um it's been it's been awesome it's taken me to some really great places it's just it's just been a great outlet for me and I can I'm I learned that I'm more political than I ever thought I was and I've been able to put that into my filmmaking and I'm writing a play at the moment um so if you want to check us out, yeah. you can hit us up on um, www.thepalaceofthedogs.com and our Instagram handle is the palace of the dogs so and we'll put this on um the um the, uh, yeah on the Apple podcast we'll put it below and on SoundCloud so you can link it up amazing yay oh, really yay are you ready for a game yeah, I'm ready for okay a game. So this is called finish the sentence so the first thing I do in the morning is... Read my Bible. Oh, yes. My pet hate is... Moody people. <laughs> in the future, I would like to... Oh, that's really <laughs> I would like to just be able to express myself. Yes, great. Excellent. Mental health to me is... Oh, that's hard. Mental health to me is... It's taboo. I am proud of... I'm proud of my little sister. Oh, <laughs> why? Because she's... she's So, my little sister, she's um she found out that she was dyslexic very, very late into secondary school. And it just didn't really work out for her in terms of grades. But she's just like worked so hard and now she works in a nursery and she's getting money and she's and she's able to get the qualifications that she needs and she's going on holiday. Oh. She's the bomb. Pride brother. Yeah. <laughs> My drag queen name would be Oh. Bailey Bolagio. Oh. <laughs> 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 There's no way you've not thought about that before. You've absolutely thought about that nice. before. Last one. On you go, Kathy. Very last one. What on earth is that, Scarlett? I've had a long day, okay? Hairy nostrils make me. I don't know, I have them. So. <laughs> this is one that Scarlett's um, done. Hairy nostrils make me protected from germs. There we go. We love that. We love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one -on -one sessions at a creator-friendly price of £25. So if you are interested, please get in touch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. You can also rate and review us on Apple.
We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. Share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word, as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. Bye! Bye! Bye!